This is the VIP Podcast, Virginia in Politics. Let's listen to host Chris Saxman explore the personalities and policies that connect the Commonwealth. The VIP Podcast is brought to you by the VCTA, Broadband Association of Virginia, and Virginia Free. The views and opinions expressed here do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of the VCTA and Virginia Free or our sponsors. All right, good morning. This is Chris Saxman on the VIP Podcast, brought to you by VCTA, the Broadband Association of Virginia and Virginia Free, of which I am the Executive Director. I'm Chris Saxman. I served in the House of Delegates for eight years, and people keep asking me, why do I keep doing this? Why do I keep coming back and talking about politics? Well, quite frankly, the answer is I was a teacher early in my life, and, uh, and I love politics. I love American history, and I love our system of government. And for the longest time, uh, I've been uh, attracted to it because I think we can get a lot of things done. But as most people have come to understand about our society these days, frankly, we're not doing it well, and we need to get better at it. So what my job is, is to engage the political uh, leaders of the day with the business leaders of the Commonwealth and bring them together to uh, engage each other, to learn and understand from each other so we can make our society uh, more prosperous, more safe, uh, beneficial to all. And what we've seen lately is a, a continual erosion of the civility We've become more and more like Washington, D.C., and we need to push back on that, con con that construct. It's very um, dangerous to the uh, health of the, of the country because we are Virginia, and we have a very special obligation here in Virginia to do it right. And joining me this morning on the program of the VIP podcast is our newest VIP, Delegate Chris Head. Good morning. Thanks for joining us. Glad to be here. Why do you keep doing so, this? Why do you keep running for the House of Delegates? And now you're going to run for the state. Now I'm going to run for the state senate. You, well, you know, it's, it's much like you said. I, you know, I, I, I really am interested in trying to get things done the right way. Um, and I was, th was thinking back as I was sitting down with you here. You know, I mean, you and I've known each other now for like close to 20 years, if not yeah, maybe because you, you came because, and testified. because you were talking about engaging the business leaders with the uh, with, with the uh, legislative leaders, right. and at the time. I was in business. I still am in the same business when I'm when I'm not here. And you were in the legislature serving on the Joint Committee on Administrative Rules. Right. And we had run into so many problems with uh, the regulations for our industry in home care, uh, which were abysmal. And uh, you may remember that the thing that really frustrated me the most was that you guys in the legislature had done your job and created this wonderful legislative framework. Mm -hmm. And the Department of Health had sat for 13 years without making any revisions to the regs to be in line with the law that you'd already passed. Right. So we had to sort of jerk their chain and get them moved off center, which we were able to do, right. uh, and it was great. But, but being involved in that process is what opened the door for me to run in the first place, because by the time I got through with the revision of the regulations, uh, I had gotten to know so many of you guys and was involved in the in the. Uh, political process so much more, and looking around for people who resonated with what the business community needed, that when uh, William Fralin decided that he wasn't going to run again, and he was my delegate, uh, I decided to run. Yeah, I thought and it was great to see you in the halls afterwards, because William yeah. and I got out the, at the same time, the same year, along with Clark Hogan and some other folks, and it, it, was, it really um, lifted me up <laughs> to see you come back and want to get engaged at a deeper level. And I would, and I would always say to you, when I, I remember you from your JCAR testimony and how important regulations are in our, in our process and government. People don't look at it uh, as much as they should. The regulatory environment is really important when it comes to governing. 
And so it, it, was, it was great to see you there. And I remember one time you got off the elevator and I was getting on the elevator this old General Assembly building, which is now in landfills all around the Commonwealth probably. And I said to you, now you know what the key to success here in the General Assembly is? And you go, what, what? I'm like, it needs a budget amendment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> Whatever right. it's Right, first year you tell me this, and that's true. And everybody you thinks it's... saved me five years. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> you did. Uh, and, and it's true. Uh, and the, the thing that's, that's interesting, too, is the process for change is so incredibly slow. Yep. And that is real frustrating until you figure out that... That's really by design. Yeah, the, framer, the framers had it right. Had it right uh, because we we do things. If you do things recklessly. I mean, we can fix it. Um, right. You know, there's there's. Uh, I, I I think the the slowest process certainly is amending the constitution, which I don't want to really really talk about. But the the fact that it takes so much of an effort to do it. Uh, well, it should because and it should because, because it, these are the rules, right? And and these are the ones that every. I mean, this right. is hard and fast rules. And it if you don't do it absolutely right, uh, it can cause great havoc. And once you've made right. the change, very badly, very quickly, undoing that is incredibly hard. And mm -hmm. and undoing legislation is hard because mm -hmm. things go things go haywire. And uh, it's it really is tough. But when you, you know, and it's funny. I think it took several years for it to really sink in to me, and this is sad to admit, but I, you know, I came in here awestruck with where I was and the body that I was getting to serve in because you know, serving, I think, I think anytime you're elected by the people to serve in any capacity, that's an incredible yeah, it's, honor. It's, 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 a, it's, it's an incredible honor. It's an incredible honor. It kind of catch, makes uh, you step back and go, and, and, uh, and, uh, you, you put your faith in me, right? Mm -hmm. um, to be served in a legislative body uh, is is up a notch from that of people have really put a lot of trust in you because you're going to make the rules and the regulations right. and the laws that they are going to live under. Right. Uh, so a state legislature is a, is a tremendous honor in any state. This one, in particular, though, in particular, because it's is, Virginia. And we have an election every year. This, we've been doing this so many years. I mean, when you when you oh, yeah. look at the list, and for me. Riding along in the car and talking with Rob Bell, and he's and when he really drilled it into me as I was driving in for like the first meeting after the election, and he said, "You know, your name is now on the roster mm -hmm. with it runs through the whole litany of founding fathers, mm -hmm. and you know when you say Patrick Henry and Thomas Jefferson, yeah, yeah. go back to the House of Burgesses, George Washington, you know Daniel Boone. I mean, this is these are names that." You, it's like, and then you got some little knucklehead who grew up in North Georgia, who right. landed here. What am I doing here? Right. Well, that's that's you know, and so, that's the whole beauty of of the citizen legislature, and why it's so important to get it right. Exactly. And to be and above board and do it the right way. So, so there's that. You start with this being awestruck with where you are. How was day two after the awe left you and you met everybody else? You're well, like, the, okay, the I'm just like everybody else. Well, here. I'll tell you the awe. If it ever leaves, I gotta stop. You, you're still you're still struck by. I I, I am. Uh, Good for you. I, I walk in. I mean, I walk by the George Washington statue. The day of the inauguration this year, my wife and I came in early because we were. I was doing the the national anthem with John Cosgrove, and which was fantastic, a, by the way. Well, for those of you not uh, who don't know the inaugural festivities, Delegate Head and Senator John Cosgrove performed the national anthem, and it was we, we, it was stirring. Well, thank you. But we came in we came in to do the uh, the sound check early that morning. And all the stuff was decorated, and we, you know, came in through all the security checks and things, and walked up the steps onto the platform, and then just stepped in through those main doors, which aren't usually unlocked from the outside. Right, right. right and just stepped in, 
and saw the flowers and, and the Washington statue. That's and it just you know, and again it catches in my in my chest every time yeah. to look at that and go, This is This is important. This is this is overwhelming, you know. Yeah. And and you know, I, that's that's really, really important. All of that to say though, it was it took several years for the weight of what we do here to really sink in mm -hmm. that we're making law and we better by golly get that right too. And working through the process, I've got a bill that I, I, uh, I was chief co-patron on this year with uh, Dolores McQuinn. You know, it's not, we're not usually we're not usually allies for our, our audience, on some things. For our audience, explain uh, who Delegate McQueen is. Uh, she is a, a, a member of the Black Caucus. She's a Democrat, and she is a wonderful lady, and she and I have been friends since, since we got here. We are on opposite sides of issues most of the time, but she had a bill this year uh, dealing with implicit bias training for health care. And even though that sounds like something other than what it actually is, mm -hmm. It's an important issue and something that I had gotten to know something about prior to her filing the bill. And I went to her and I said, we need to work on this. And the Interfaith Council was who sponsored the bill. The, the process in that this year, uh, and the, I've got a meeting later today with the uh, lady from the Interfaith Council to try to explain to her again, right. this really is, we did move the ball forward. We carried the bill over to next year with asking the Virginia Depart the Department of Health Professions um, to study it and give us the framework of what training should be like for physicians as they're getting relicensed to be aware of this. That's all, that's all the bill was supposed to do. Okay. But we carried it over because we needed to have their input to get it you right. Need, you just need more time to get it right. And the second thing was we could have done it this year. If we had gotten it right and gotten it done this year, licensure for physicians happens every other year. And oh. this is the year that they would do it. So it wouldn't even go into effect so until next them. year. Right. And so we'll have it, right. we'll get a chance because to Because really for our get audience, right. our, our, the bills don't take effect until July 1st unless there's an emergency clause in which they take immediate effect. Still in this case, it would not it have would any not impact. Have had, it wouldn't Zero have impact. Chance. There's right. no way to have made it happen. Um, but what we're able to do is carry it over, get more eyeballs on it, right. get the administration's way in on it, and make sure that by the time we come back next year, we've got something that will slide through without any kind of controversy. We'll have it absolutely right, and it will take effect in the same length of time, but it will be better than what it would have been if we'd have passed the bill this year. Absolutely, and so um, working with both sides to get it done, and you know, no one get gets upset the, about it. And how much you of should. your work, and tell the audience, how much of your work is actually that kind of process that goes on here? Oh, probably 80%. And the 20% is what we focus on. Right. And, and, and that's grown in my day from probably 95% of just the bill mill that you go through. You just constantly run the mill. Well, again, you've always got the, because we're a Dillon's rule state, we, you know, you'll have always the bill so that Newport News can cut the grass on a vacant lot. Just explain uh, Dillon's rule for the audience. Dillon's rule, you've got two, two types of state uh, governance. You have Dillon's rule and home rule. Right. And a home rule, I grew up in Georgia, again, so it's a home rule state, which means that a locality can do whatever it wants to do mm -hmm. unless the legislature says, no, you can't do that. Right. Dillon's rule state is exactly the opposite. In a Dillon's rule state, you assume that all of the localities are a subset of the state, in which case they are not allowed to do anything unless we specifically tell them they can do Which is why we have so many bills. Which is why we have so many bills. Um, and uh, having been in both sometimes, I'm a big fan of home rule and wish we didn't <laughs> have to go through this mess. Sometimes I'm a huge fan of Dillon's rule because there are some localities on both sides right. that for whatever issue would end up running off. And, and as you, as you can imagine from the business community's perspective, we prefer the Dillon rule 
to home rule because it keeps, it keeps, keeps everything uniformity the across right. the state. Right. Because and we have so many jurisdictions, and now we have independent cities inside of counties, and running yeah. your businesses with these different competing rules would be very that difficult. Was, that, that, was a, that was a hard thing. And my, my business is a franchise. The, the, the fact that independent cities are, are independent of the counties when our franchise agreement was drawing up the oh, yeah. geography that we had to be mm -hmm. in and they kept sending it back to me and say and you're going to and you're going to have Roanoke County and Bottledock County and I kept sending it back and saying and the city Roanoke. of Salem and the city of Roanoke <laughs> right. and they kept saying but it's inside the county and I kept saying no, no, it's, no not. it's not no it's and not said, but it's the it only is. state said, in the union no it's not you don't, <laughs> you don't understand well and that's one of the one of the you, you mentioned um, going slow and getting it right changing the rules is very important and now you're uh, proposing to the citizens of a newly formed Senate district that you would like to represent them in the slower body, let's be honest. And I have become a fan over time, and as painful as it is for me to admit, Delegate Chris said, as a former delegate, the Senate, <laughs> sometimes they're right, you know. Well, you know. <laughs> well, it, it, but, but <laughs> because they can go hang on a tick, the, f the faster, uh, more exuberant body w wants to get this done. Uh, let's slow things down. We don't quite need that just yet. Let's take a longer view of things. And that's the balance the framers drew in. Senators are much quicker to be the ones to say, you know, we've been at this for over 400 years and we've managed to do just fine without this. I think we can wait one more year. Yeah, not, the, the cake is just uh, not baked. Not quite. Let's get it right. And that's um, important. But it's, it's it, also... We, so, but we, <laughs> we've seen it in Washington, D.C., uh, and, how, and why I'm so adamant that the filibuster must maintain it. Oh, my gosh. We, if we lost the filibuster? We're done. I think as a republic, we're done. We, we are done. We're, it's mob rule. Well, and, I mean, you, it just, you, you can't, you, you, you've got to have some way to tap the brakes and be deliberative. Because, again, this really is important. And undoing something is way, way harder than doing it. And I think the Democrats in Washington understand that now because of what they did to change judicial nominations. And all of a sudden, uh, and three more. And, and, and all of a sudden, well, you got three, you know what three was court justices, and you know, boom. Uh, the court's very you know, different because Mitch, you changed the rules. Mitch McConnell, I remember very much when he was saying to Harry Reid, "Y'all going to regret? Don't it. do this. You don't want to do this. This will come back and bite you." And and then it, you know, and then well, it did. In that in that context, do you think it's important to go back to an emergency clause and have a supermajority that the Democrats took off in during COVID and Republicans didn't put it back in the House rules, and so now we're back to? Majority, majority you, amendment on uh, on emergency clause. You know, I, we've seen that in the mass mandate. You, you, the I, honestly, uh, we would never have gotten it done any other way. Um, and, and that's part and, of the point. And that's and and the, but the difference is the rules are if it comes down from the governor because part of the reason for the emergency clause is telling we're telling the governor we want you to sign this and we want it to go into effect right now. Right. And I mean. It, arguably, we want everything to go into effect right now because we're telling you that this is what we want. Right. But you've got the, you know, we're, we're going to let it take a few months to get everybody lined up. But but these are what, when we're sending you any piece of legislation, we're directing you what we right. want done. And then you've got to concur with that. If the governor, in this case, because you've, you've now blended, blended branches in cooperation with each other, if the governor sends it back and says, I agree with you, not only do I agree with you, but I want this done now. Um, and that's only a majority. That's only a majority vote. It used that's to be eighty percent. Used to right? be eighty percent all the way around, and now it's a majority vote for for that. And uh, and there's and there's precedent. It, it, there is. There is. That's not going to get done very often. That's, that really is not going to get done very often in this particular. But it goes case, to the central point of once you change the rules, and you take your hand off that 
chess piece and you go, oh, that's my that's you my know, move. Yeah. Okay, the whole game just changed. That's right. It's like expanding the strike zone in baseball. That's right. It's a you know, big deal. It's a big deal. And and then and 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 shrinking it back down again is also a big deal and, and very far difficult more difficult. To do. Far, Very difficult far more difficult to undo. Right. But what it also does is sets you up, if you're, if you're not careful with it, um, the, the, the tit-for-tat kind of responses that you end up getting, if we're not careful, end up turning this into just a, a sandlot right. you know, fight right. if we're not real careful. And, and we don't need our legislation to be that way because we could very easily, what is it, Malaysia, that you end up seeing on the news every now and again where they just honestly, the whole thing in suits and ties and they are just in fist fights on the floor that, of their that's legislature. All, and, and we look go, at it and go, what? that's crazy. Well, But we used to do it. Hey, you know. We used um, to have those moments, not a yeah. lot. And, there, and it's, it, democracy's know. new to that culture. Well, it is. And, 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 and you have to sort it all out. I mean, you know, we have... <laughs> Aaron Byrne and Alexandra Hamilton kind of got after it, you know, as a result of similar things. Right. So, uh, and, you know, we, we don't do that anymore. Um, that's a good thing. I'm glad dueling is not, uh, I, I'm not sure. I'd, but you've had moments of passion, I would imagine, like I did when you're on the floor. I'm pretty good shot, but I'm not you sure you care I'd still about a piece living. of legislation, you go, yeah. damn it. <laughs> yeah. I really wanted it this time. Yeah. And, well, and there's. You got to go back stuff. and do your work. Well, okay. Like the the uh, the constitutional amendment for JCAR giving JCAR the authority to suspend rules, that's going to require. I still think that's a really really good thing. Morgan Griffith carried that constitutional amendment, which you have to for anything to change the constitution. You've got to got to run through for folks that don't know. You've got to pass with the resolution, mm -hmm. have an election, come back with the identical resolution with not a comma changed. And then it goes out to the voters, and the voters get to decide. It's very, very hard to change the Constitution. Undoing it would have to go through the same process. Right. Very difficult. It takes many years sometimes to get it through. This constitutional amendment would give the Joint Committee on Joint, Com is Joint Commission on Administrative Rules the authority, if rules are found out to be out of phase, if regulations right. uh, are found to be out of phase with the underlying legislation, they could suspend them until the legislature had a chance to come back into session and right. work through it to correct anything. And that was the, the it was sort of the, that was, was the, the reason why we, we, we created, created JCAR. JCAR. Right. And that was the, that was the my, my interaction was with it. that yep. was exactly yep. for that reason. And we needed to be able to do it, but yep. you didn't have the constitutional authority to do it. Morgan Griffith carried that uh, I amendment I remember. for several years. Uh, after he left, Greg Habib carried it, and then I carried it twice. I finally got it through the first time. When was this? Uh, this was four years ago. Okay, I think I remember. And then we had an election, and we came back, and I couldn't get it out. Then the people you know, and, 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 we're, and the and, people ruled. And the people ruled. You know, and we couldn't get it out of the house again. Yeah. And so that, like, that's well, the amazing thing is like, we have a great idea, and we think it makes a lot of sense. And the process makes you make sure that the rest of the people understand what we're going to do to change just the basic rules. And so yeah, and so on that one, my plan is to bring something back, modified hoping that I can have figured out what irritates Once it's defeated in that original form, can it come back in that same form? Oh, oh, it's been it's been in exactly the same form every time it's been in. But once it's been defeated. But once it's, once it's been defeated, well, it, it was never defeated. It just we didn't ever vote on it. Okay, the second time. okay. So it didn't go to the people. Okay. Right. Let's, let's move uh, to your upcoming election, 2023. You just recently announced in the last week or so that you intend to put yourself up for consideration by the new Senate district in uh, Senate, Senate District, district three. 3, which yeah. is the new district, uh, three districting which includes my, a lot of my old district yeah. back in the Shenandoah Valley, including my hometown of Stanton. 
Uh, why do you want to move to the slower body? Are you getting older? Is this is this a thing? Well, I'll, you know, I'm <laughs> getting more thoughtful on your little, little more deliberative. Aging. I'm a, I'm a grandfather now. Oh, that's know, what it is. That's it. You, you know, you're slowing I need, down. I need to slow down. You want the extra three hundred dollars a year? Uh, you want to bump up to eighteen thousand? That's, well, that's, a, that's it's that three hundred dollar kicker, isn't it? That 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 played into it a little bit, maybe. It sh and it should, because 300 bucks <laughs> goes a long way. You, know, you can almost fill up a tank of gas. And you can, actually, maybe twice. Well, maybe twice. Well, depending by the time we well, get around we'll to that. But, but no, in, in looking at it um, with redistricting, I, I, you know, I was in favor of how we did redistricting this year. And people talk about what a train wreck it was. It really... I think it worked. I think it worked. I mean, not everyone's I happy. I'm, I don't not, like the supposed fact, to be happy. I don't like the fact that I didn't have a district anymore by my, by myself. But if you look at what the lines look like compared to what the the, the current lines look like, it, people have got to the look job at this is and eventually go, okay, done. right. And these and are the, fairer districts and the than problem, before, correct? The, the thing that made it break down was the committee, and it was as much the legislators as anybody else just could not deal with the fact that they had to do it this way. And so and that's it, when it, 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 it caved in and it went to the But as, as a Court. businessman who went through the legislative process and regulatory and regulations hurting your business, it, it, and, I, and I looked at the redistricting process, and I thought that, I said this, I can't remember who it was, I said, if politicians gave this much of a crap about our jobs yeah, as they do about their own jobs, how much better off would our economy be? Well, because redistricting, like everyone, you know, a legislator goes all in and to protect their districts. Well, what do you think we do every day in business? Right. And it's, it's, here's the thing too, is I think in a, in a citizen legislature like this, where it's part-time, if you define yourself by the job, that, well, okay, it's not. It pays uh, part-time. But, but if you define yourself by being in this role, if I am defined as being Delegate Chris right. Head, or hopefully someday Senator Chris Head, if I'm defined by that, that's bad. That's really bad. Is your, is your source because of personal identity? If I, yeah, if, if, that becomes, if that that becomes how I see myself only and how I find my fulfillment in life, right. uh, this is a fulfilling job, but it's in service to the people of the Commonwealth. And if it's anything other than that, then we've got a, you know, it, it's, got a problem. I've got a problem because you and that's, look and at that's where, the wrong that's way. where you can get over your skis and politics where you think it's all about you. Well, and, and it's, it's not. It's all about to the, do. It's very easy I, look, to do. Because every, look, you walk out that door. Everyone's oh you're the greatest you're so funny you know I love your bill you know you're tell us you're more so how important great, you are so, so important. important tell us how and great you really are the, the you know the, the the funny thing too and I've I've said this a couple of times the last couple of days I said you know you you grow up and I did grow up in a uh, in, in in a very Christian home I am a Christian I'm I'm an ordained minister my first career really? was in was in uh, vocational ministry okay. um, and my wife as well and we've been in business together taking care of seniors, which we view as a ministry, a ministry sure. as well. Um, that's how, you know, and, and humility is such a central part of that. Right. And then here I am in politics, which if, you know, look, if you don't have some at least pretty strong self-confidence and a thick skin, you cannot survive in this game at all. You just yeah. can't do I, it. I have a, I have but, a saying along the humility lines, I think, in politics or in life especially, either you should be humble or you will be humbled. Be humbled. But this is a group of people where all of, <laughs> all of us, we tend to be the folks that if we were given a humility award, the first thing we would do is pin it on and shut it off. Tweet, 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 tweet. Right, right, right. <laughs> just need to get this out there because, oh, you know, but I'm so humble. <laughs> so I wouldn't even take my you picture. You have to be careful. <laughs> you have to be careful with this kind of thing. Um, 
But as far as what led to the decision to go to the Senate and looking over the district, I was districted in with Terry Austin, who's been a friend of mine for a long time. Um, and we're seeing that and, and almost know, half the General Assembly is now in districts with other with members. With other members. And looking, half the General Assembly. It, so the new district that I'm in, from my old district, had one precinct transferred over, and it happened to be the precinct that I live in. So everything else, so is, everything else is, is brand, brand new, new to me. Right. So, so like, well, okay. And, and that's fine because I knew, know a lot of people up there. And, yeah, you know, sure, sure. And I thought, well, Terry and I could run in a primary and we could, you know, then one of us is not going to be here. And the reality is I think we both bring a lot of value to the General Assembly and different strengths and we vote okay. differently sometimes. Um, uh, Terry's a little bit left of me. I'm a little bit right of Terry, but uh, but I mean, marginal differences. Right. It's just I mean, it's just 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 marginal. I mean, both of us way right of center, you know. Um, and so uh, looking at that, what and plus Terry's got you know he's chairman of transportation, he's vice chair of appropriations, um, which is really good for that's rural really parts good of for the region. Right. Really good for the region. Um, and, and thought, well, what would be the best thing to do? And then you start looking at this new Senate district. And let's, t let's talk about that. Let's almost, talk about that district. Uh, yeah, the, the majority of my existing House district, the current one, is in this new Senate district. Okay. So I, you know, I lose the southern part of Roanoke County that I currently have, and I lose the little bit of Roanoke City that I currently have, but the rest of Roanoke County is in this new district. So you have Roanoke so County. You go right up the 81 spine. Right straight up. Right up through the valley. Uh, all you, the way to... So you, have, so you have northern Roanoke County, Botetourt. All of Botetourt. All of Craig. All of Craig. All of Allegheny. All of Rockbridge. All of Rockbridge. Which includes now, uh, you know, back to Allegheny, you've got now the city of yeah, Covington, yeah, 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 yeah. city of Lexington, city of University. It's a massive district. And then you've got about a third of Augusta Rock, County. Augusta County. And uh, all of Stanton and all of Waynesburg. So you, have, so you have all from Stewart's Draft on over that whole area. Uh, yeah, that that whole whole swing there over, over to to Stanton, and then everything just straight down from there. So it's a big district. Has to be to get the population up to. But again, it's, it's a compact, contiguous district. It is. And that and was very. That's, that's it, what it doesn't have the, the bulbous looks that some of right, the. Right, right, right. I mean, you get you get some crazy looking stuff right now in the way that they were drawn the last time around. So from that standpoint, this is a much better shot at getting it right. And uh, then I've got a big chunk of my existing district with people that know me, and it's an open seat. Um, so it's not like I'm running. How many people in that district? Now? What's the Senate district these days? Uh, 250, 250. I have to really? look up, but, but wow. you know, roughly a quarter of a million people. Um, and it's almost a third of a, it's more than, almost half of a, Congressional well, that's the congressional districts are now eight hundred and fifty thousand. So wow. Okay. So no. So, so it's. I mean, it's about about a third. Wow. And uh, and so which we, you know which, which again makes sense. So we're. It it just looked like it was going to make a lot of sense to to do this. Plus the fact that the district is it has a lot of diversity in it and independent communities that are going to need to be represented. Absolutely, uh, another and, district and well, another district well. But you're talking about independent cities. You're talking about higher education up and down the, the all the way court. up and down. You got massive agriculture, agriculture is massive, uh, which I'm which I'm thrilled with uh, to to have more of that uh, than I've got in my current district. I, you know, I grew up I grew up on a farm that didn't farm by the time I was born. Right. We le leased the land out, right, but right. I still grew up in a in a very transportation uh, huge in that district. There. Transportation's massively huge. I mean, all, all of the things that are important issues and the stuff that I've been working on, business development is massively huge. Uh, to be able to keep it relevant and getting workforce development 
there, making sure that our young people have opportunities to stay when they graduate from and high I'm school. And I'm glad you said that because you know. I can't tell you the number of times, Chris, I would talk to parents in those districts uh, and they would just openly weep knowing full well their kids, when they go off to college, they're not coming back. They're not coming home. So all the taxpayers uh, chunk in all that money for K-12 funding uh, and invest in people who don't come back. It's a bad investment. Uh, unless they can retain Unless we can retain that it. And to, yes, part of the reason I've been so thrilled with some of where the governor is going uh, on, on his focus of workforce development and a real emphasis on career and technical and leveling that with, right. uh, with, with, with baccalaureate degrees. You know, that well, it's so important for those localities to say, we've got to invite mutually these kids back. They've got to bring right. these kids back because when the families break down, you know, that's that slow erosion in our culture that I think is, is defining our society as we become further and further disintegrated from each other. Um, and, I, and I think we lose that as a people, how important it is to be around your family and your friends that you grew up with and have that cohesive community. I just went to a um, funeral of a friend of mine who, who killed himself a couple weeks ago. And so sorry. Yeah, thanks. It, it just, he lost the battle, right? Um, I'm sure you've seen it plenty of times. Um, we see it all too much in our society. But when I went to the funeral and saw the community there, that was the heartwarming thing, that people were truly there to help the family get through this. And a lot of people are still angry at, oh, the, sure. at, at the, that reality, but the people showed up and they were there to get together. And there was this, and, there, and there's this sense of importance that we are all in this together when you go to those moments. Well, the, 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 the level of community, of course, now you, you have the, the benefit and, and it really is, I'm, I'm envious that you have the place that you grew up close by. I'm still very close to people from where I grew up. Right. I've been a Virginian for nearly 35 years. Um, moved here when when I uh, so you'll get your degree soon. And <laughs> you're close, but you well, know. You know, I'm not, no, my, you're not my, there yet. My heritage traces from here. I've got family sure that goes it does, all the way but back. But you're really not. But, yeah. <laughs> Thirty-five but, is close, though. Yeah. Well, but my kids were all born here, and uh, you know, and so they're yeah. So it you know, but my, my wife and it's I. It's a Virginia moved here. joke. Just get over it. It's my, a joke. my wife and I moved here. It helps. You know, it it we we moved here in '89. Uh, okay. Well, I, you know, we got married. She moved here in '88, um, and she was the Baptist campus minister at Longwood in Hampton, Sydney. Okay. And uh, I moved up to marry her because she th those jobs were few and far between. Right. And Heritage Baptist Church in Farmville hired me to be their minister of music and youth, and so I left okay. the church I was in in Georgia and came up here. Um, and that's where we thought we were going to be vocationally, and we kept thinking about wanting to go home, right? Mm. You know, someday we'll go home. Sure, sure. This will be a temporary thing. And then one thing led to another, and I was I uh, had I left the church position, was working for a Fortune 100 company, and they transferred me to Roanoke. And we had two kids, and she was feeling the need to be a stay-at-home mom at the time. We got to Roanoke, and uh, we sort of settled into the valley, yeah. and feeling home. that, and yeah. we stopped talking about going home because we were home. Roanoke is a, and is a wonderful. It's a it's a wonderful place, but it's the it's the whole of the valley, and that goes to this whole district is. This whole district runs that way. Part of the reason Absolutely it does, think about does. how much railroad emphasis you've got in mm -hmm. the whole area. With you know, all just right up, up through there. A large part of the development of this has been uh, brought about over the years by railroads. And we're talking about a section of the Commonwealth that up until probably 30 years ago was the economic driving force. I mean, you know, really the bread, the bread really, of Virginia. Really running. I mean if you if you yeah. look Winchester all the way down mm -hmm. to Danville, mm -hmm. uh, that that and West was 
where the economic stability because well, because it, it's agricultural ended. based it's 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 very stable very and, dependable and, and this is it but you had so much uh, of an understanding that with the railroad development too to move the commerce through and then the development of I ninety one you know sort of transitioned over and and coupled with that over the years you get used to people being here that aren't from here mm -hmm. but they're going to be here and yeah, some are. small town areas don't do that well in some parts of the country. Here, it's very, it's very open and, mm -hmm. and, and love and, you know, and I've, I've and always has it. It's an amazing thing to me that the people of the 17th district would take a guy that's not from here, but who loves this place. Mm -hmm. I guess and so. they keep sending me back to represent them. Oh, I, I and, you know, the, the, the whole district, and I, and I, I really, you know, I'm, I'm looking so forward to getting deeply to know, I know and I know a lot of people up through the whole district, mm -hmm. but getting, just so looking forward to getting up and getting to know more deeply the people in the communities that I don't know. Well, I'll tell you, that's, I'll, that's, I'll tell you a couple Relationships of, is what life is it's about what it's, anyway. it's what it's all right. about. And you know, my dad's been in his house for 43 years and I guarantee you someone in my house, my hometown of Stanton will refer to our house that I grew up in that's in 43 years. house? No, 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 as oh. the Cheryl house. Oh, the Cheryl house. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he wasn't the original uh, okay. owner of it. He, he, didn't build, he didn't build it. 1979, I guarantee you, they still call, you know. Uh, but, it's, but it's the Cheryl <laughs> no, house. No, ours was the Cheryl house, a Cheryl, a Charlotte Burnett's house. I was. I grew up in the. Uh, my kids grew up in the in the Cheryl house. Dad grew up. He, he bought the Burnett house. Anyway, um, forty three years. It's an amazing run that you could also have that uh, that 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 construct. It, it's not quite yours yet, and that's one of the wonderful things about the valley. And I'll I'll never forget. Probably uh, uh, someone you know very well in um, in uh, Roanoke, uh, Chuxy Avril, longtime GOP dear friend. In two thousand one, the weekend before the election. Mark Early's the candidate for Republicans for governor at Turner Ashby High School. His bag man is Jonathan Martin of the New York Times. He was, he was the body guy. Okay. He's a reporter. We're standing at this football game, and he's getting a big ovation from the folks in Turner Ashby, which is outside of Bridgewater, right. which has had the, the most recent tragedy of the, the right. two uh, police officers being killed. And uh, Tracy goes, um, Chris, what's that smell? And I was like, what are you, what are you talking about, Tracy? And she's like, well, it, it smells like manure. And I was like, where do you think you are? Yeah. <laughs> and I go, and, I go, and I, she goes, oh, and I'm like, and we don't pronounce it manure here, we pronounce it Monet. <laughs> That's called hard cash right there. This is an yeah. agricultural That's district. It. And she's like, oh, I'm like, yeah. yeah. Just, it, well, and, and, <laughs> it's one of she's like, oh. The thing is, you got, you got lots of different kinds of Monet. In, uh, right. In, in, <laughs> yeah, be careful in, with that Monet, in, too. In Central, <laughs> yes, you do. In Senate District 3, uh, uh, what I grew up in, you know, I'm a North, North Georgia native, and uh, uh, we had cows and pigs, but mostly we had chickens. And that's um, and and you get up in the northern end of things here. That's what you got here too. So this is there's there's also for me. I mean, it is you know it. it I, it's part of the reason I'm, I feel so comfortable with this district and thinking I think I can probably do this right, for question. them because I, I think you because I you know I'm I'm, I'm you know I'm from you've got the higher ed stuff. You know, I've, I'm, a, I'm a Georgia grad. I'm, I'm in the arts community is so big. I was a music major. I've done, fine. I've done theater and all the other kind of stuff fine. there. But I also have shoveled out. You know, I've, I've raked out chicken houses too. You know, and, and, and the diverse background. Right, you know, diverse and, background. And, and what do you think are going to be the deciding issues in that nomination? 
I mean, yeah, first of all, you have to have a contest. We have a contest. It's a it's a Republican district. Let's you just know, be honest. I, I think it's, I th I think for the contest, it's going to come down to, who can people connect with, um, and who do they trust to represent them. Uh, the way that they want to be represented, um, it, it's, it is, I mean, let's face it, this is a very, very conservative district. I'm a pretty conservative guy. Uh, and, but where, uh, geographically, where's the population? Um, is it pretty well it's, distributed? It's, it's, you've got the, the two population centers are, you, you've got the, the biggest group is in the Roanoke Botertot okay. area. That's the, that's the biggest chunk there. Right. And then Close to that is the uh, Augusta, Stanton, Waynesboro. Okay. And then so it's the like rest a bar, of it's like a barbell, basically. Right. And Population the rest of it is just evenly distributed down through the okay. the rest of the valley. And uh, uh, you know that, but but again, the whole area pretty conservative. A couple oh, yeah. of, couple of pockets of enclaves uh, that, that that are not so much. <laughs> but even there, it's not wildly leftist. It's uh, it it's it you know it's a it's a, a reasonable. Even 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 in the the left leaning places, it's it's a it's a little bit more reasonable in. But not, no, not in the nominations. I mean, but once nomi you win the nomination, the nomination that's, that's the lock. Yeah, the lock. The, nomi the nomination Nom what, should be. Should what's be, what's know, the Republican know. Democrat breakdown that district? It's about it's about a sixty two percent Republican district. Oh, so, so the nomination is you know, everything. Yeah, it, it, it is really important. But I think what they're going to be looking for is: Are you going to stand for what you say? You did. This was this was really an interesting exercise because I hadn't done this until getting ready to make the announcement for Senate. My legislative aide pulled back up my announcement speech from when I first announced for the House of Delegates eleven years ago. Smart. And uh, and I went back and watched the whole speech again. And Chris, I got to tell you, it was I, I watched it was was. was <laughs> laying in bed with you know at the in the hotel room here watching that and my wife was with me last week and I was, I was sitting there and I got through and she was reading something and I was watching this thing and I got through and, and I said yeah that was a pretty good speech uh, even if I do say so myself that was a pretty good speech <laughs> and then I then I went back and started taking notes on what I'd said and I said in there if you will elect me right I will do these things did you do and then looking back over the 10-year record I've done what I said I would do, which was, you know, look after conservative values, make sure that our constitutional rights are protected, make sure that business is being protected and developed, make sure that government gets out of our way, do what we can to reduce spending and make sure the taxes are staying low, try to make sure that educational opportunities are there, champion the workforce development that I've talked about. I've done all of those things. We haven't finished the task. But we've moved the ball forward over the last ten years, and I have to say you haven't, you know, you haven't aged a bit in eleven years. I don't. Yeah, you look, you look like the same guy who yeah, came into the committee uh, a, years ago. You are very, very kind. The wrinkles are a little bit more deep, and the gray <laughs> hair is mine, a little bit. I'm getting older too. You know, and well, and I'm older than you are. Not by much, but I'm older. Well, than, then I'm truly really embarrassed because <laughs> you look younger. <laughs> but, uh, the the one thing I do want to think, you know, going forward too, we need to we need to reconstitute. The caucus that you did, because you know I did oh, the, the cost business, cutting caucus. The cost cutting caucus. That was we did Alan the, Louderback was the predecessor for uh, Todd Gilbert. And we did we did the business development caucus Remember when that? I came in. The, Mike Watson uh, and you Mike Watson and, and me and Michael Webert and okay. uh, and and, uh, and and David Armadon and we the four of us did the business development caucus. And now Webert and I, the the last two uh, remaining, we've continued to work through that. And matter of fact, you know one of one of his bills this year was. 
uh, continuing to roll back regulation. It was stuff that we've been working on for right. a decade, right. you know, and this governor is actually going to sign it, uh, <laughs> which we're pretty excited Good. about. Um, but it, you know, this is this is really really important stuff. But I've, I was looking back over and and stumbled up on the cost cutting caucus, and I thought, now we need to start really well. It was down on even though it was very too. alliterative, uh, cost cutting caucus. It was designed to be a reform oriented caucus where we would try to bring reforms to state government to reduce the total expenditures by the government by producing better results. You know, well, you know, one of the examples, uh, you know, workforce development. We mm -hmm. talk about this all the time. Workforce development. Uh, we've got so many programs, and I, you know, I was on the I was on the transition team for the Health and Human Resources Secretariat, so we didn't really get into the commerce and, and trade elements of things. But um, the, the drilling down into all of the secretariats and looking at things and realizing that state government does all of these things in silos oh, yeah. that don't talk to each other oh, God. ever. Ugh. <laughs> and it drives me, you know, because again, from our business, business does the we same thing. Could, yeah, but they but all get siloed our, up. But in our individual businesses, we don't do that. You can't afford to do that. No, not you individual to, businesses. You have to. But make when sure. they come down here, all the different groups are all grouped all up, grouped up, just and they massive and, silos. silos. And and from a workforce development standpoint, you got to we got to we got to find a way to, to cross the let there be Absolutely. some sort of cross pollination there. Absolutely, and uh, that again would allow us to spend because we end up spending the same money to do the same thing repeatedly, and we get such minimal results. If we could begin to just lump some of these things into one big program, still break it down for individual communities, still break it down for individual right. things, but manage it. Yeah. Sort of overall. One of the things I find in, in, in politics and in life and business is the duplication of effort and the triplication of effort. Everyone has these great ideas. They keep they go out and do it. But they just don't get together and actually cut across the silos to do it in a coordinated fashion. Well, and everybody wants the their own pet project to do. go because they want to get. There goes back to that humility award again. And they want right? to get funding they, for it. They want to get. They want to get <laughs> their thing so they can say that they're the ones that did Absolutely. it. Absolutely. And my one of my favorite you know Reagan lines was you know there's no end to how much good you can accomplish. As long as you don't care who gets the credit. That's right. The law of um, unintended consequences. And and you've got to be able to, if we're really going to get it done, we've got to be willing to say, you know what, you carry that bill. All right. I'll sign on. I appreciate Chris Head joining us. Delegate Chris Head from Roanoke County, now running in the Senate District Number 3, which is the Shenandoah Valley, largely from Roanoke up to Stanton and Waynesboro. Wishing him all the very best. Not an endorsement, obviously. We can't do that here. But I do wish everyone who runs for office the very best because we need to encourage more people to run for office in this country. Uh, we put a lot on them, and then we all of a sudden take them down, tear them down. It's like it's like this weird sport that we have in this country that we want people to run for office, and as soon as they get in there, we start tearing them down. Uh, that's one of the reasons why we put on this show, this podcast brought to you by VCTA, the Broadband Association of Virginia and Virginia Free, so that you can see our elected officials in a different light, more personal, up close. And we didn't get into all the good things that Chris Head does or who, who he is personally. Hopefully, do that some other time. No, let's, let's do it. Let's do it now. What the hell? Favorite books? The Bible. Which, um, book, which book in the Bible stands out for you? Oh, Proverbs. I okay. Spend more time in Proverbs than anything else. Okay. The, I mean, the Gospels hold everything together. For, sure, sure, you know, sure. But but uh, uh, the 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 Pauline epistles. Um, I you know, First Timothy one fifteen. I, I I come back to repeatedly to stay grounded because. Paul says, "Here's a trustworthy saying that, it, that deserves full acceptance." Best saying, best, best. That Christ died for sinners, of whom I am the best worst. Best verse, best verse in the Bible. What's what's your favorite? John three sixteen. Okay, 
that's I mean that's that's, the, a, that's you know the, the, the Carl Bart said it's the gospel in miniature. Okay, did he? Um, Karl Marx said. Carl Bart. Carl Bart. Carl Bart. I thought it was um, Marx. We're not Marxist. Uh, no, no, no. Uh, but although Marx, although Marx did study theology, he was you know that he just favorite movie. <sighs> if you had to come and watch a movie tonight, what would it be? Ocean's Eleven. Really. Yeah, this the, is the great the, thing about the the, 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 the remake. <laughs> Learn so much about people. the remake. Uh, I have more fun watching that movie. The new one so, with, uh, yeah, with Brad Pitt and, and George Clooney and George Clooney and that that, that crew. Um, the the original is really really good, but I it's a bunch of rogues that are just you know it's just right. so there's so many great lines True. in that movie. Um, Favorite TV shows. Oh gee, uh, going way back, Mash. Okay, um, uh, I'm. Downton Abbey, my wife and I are okay, fans. We're, we're almost through watching Favorite character it in Downton Abbey? Lord Grantham. You and uh, Jennifer else? Boyce go would get along on this one. We talked about else? Uh, too. Yeah. Um, Favorite sports teams? Don't let us down. I'm a Georgia Bulldog. I'm a Georgia Bulldog. I went to Georgia. I was a I was at Georgia. You went to Georgia. I was a freshman That's at Georgia. That's I was a freshman at Georgia Herschel Walker. with Herschel Walker okay. when we were national champions, never dreaming that it would be 41 years later until we were national champions again. And uh, that's legit. Uh, that's, that's legit. And it was a this was a football fun team's season. favorite nat, favorite uh, professional teams. Uh, I grew up just outside of Atlanta so in the 60s family. and 70s, Oof, so brutal years. I don't do pro sports <laughs> <laughs> because we finished, we didn't have any. <laughs> we finished dead. No, we had them. We were just I dead know you last didn't have any. in every league, you know, at that time. The Braves didn't get good until I was already married and won their first World Series after I was already a Virginian, and it was like, where did you come from? You know, this all is, those years, all suffering. those years. Yeah, I have, you know, had, you know, uh, but. Uh, Football, you know, again, right now I was I was pulling I was I was pulling for the Rams on the Super Bowl, but that's because Matt Stafford went, went to, to Georgia. Georgia. Uh, so I, one of our camera people was a, was a big Bengals fan, so uh, we we kidded him a lot. And it's great to have you on, Chris, and we wish you the very best and all that you're doing today in the General Assembly. Join us again next time on the VIP podcast, available on Spotify, Apple, and YouTube. Thanks for joining us. Mm-hmm.